Mr. Weir, how significant is the withdrawal of that particular submission by President Jacob Zuma in the context of the entire case? Well, it's very significant because we need to bear in mind that the president's case really rested on two points. And the withdrawal yesterday constitutes the, it it was really the first um, ground of his argument. So it means that it significantly weakens the president's case because the president had argued firstly that in terms of the constitution, it was only him and him alone who could appoint a commission of inquiry. And secondly, his point had been that since the public protector's report hadn't made any findings, it was important that the court then order that the investigation be continued by this current public protector. So the fact that he's withdrawn that ground now means that he's now only got one leg to stand on. So it significantly weakened his case going forward. So the opposition parties, uh, they were calling for the review application to be dismissed altogether. Are they justified in making that call? It would certainly appear as if they were justified in making that call because we also need to bear in mind the fact that it's not as if the public protector had usurped the president's powers in saying that the chief justice should appoint a commission of inquiry. I think she was merely pointing out a power which the president already holds and she wasn't giving him additional powers outside of the constitution. So I think to begin with, the president's own um, interpretation of the public protector's um, conduct was really, um, well, it really didn't have a leg to stand on. And we also need to consider the fact that even outside of court, the president himself has on at least four occasions said that he is fine with appointing a commission of inquiry, which of course begs the question as to why then he would then approach the courts to then challenge the public protector's report yet on his own admission and even before parliament he had said that he is open to a commission of inquiry. Mr. Weir, just on a point of clarity, um, which speaks actually to the nub of this particular case, the president and uh, him being conflicted with regard to whom to appoint to head up the Judicial uh, Commission of Inquiry. So is that actually, is is it a thing? Is, Is it an important issue in this instance that the president appoints whoever heads up that inquiry? Well, in terms of the Constitution, it's really only the president who can appoint the judge to head up the Commission of Inquiry. But, of course, I think we need to draw a line between, and it's just a question of of semantics, in the sense that, um, according to the Public Protector's report, she had recommended that the Chief Justice nominate a judge. So it's not that she used the same constitutional language which says appoint. So she has asked for the Chief Justice to nominate a judge and thereafter the President appoints that judge. So that reading is still very much within the, within the constitutional framework. But what difference does it make all the same? Because whether the judge is nominated by the Chief Justice or the President just goes on and uh, you know, uses his discretion in this matter, what difference does it make? Well, I think it comes down to perception in the sense that the president himself, as well as his family, as well as his close friends, the Guptas, are all implicated in the state of capture report. So, of course, if he was to then go ahead and appoint his own judge, it would then create the impression that this judge would be biased towards the president. So it's just important. It's just in line with keeping up with, you know, an old legal saying that justice should not only be seen to be done, but 
should actually be done. So, of course, it's just important to move away from the perception that whatever judge the president appoints would be tainted. And in a sense, it's also a response to what the president himself had said in the run-up to Manganja matter. And this was one of the reasons that Tulima Tonsela had given for her remedial for her remedial action. She had said that the president himself had said that he couldn't appoint a commission of inquiry to look into his expenditure in the Ganja matter because he was concerned about public perception. So in a sense, he, he, it was the president himself who preempted the course that the public protector ultimately took. But on the flip side, is that not also then, uh, in a way, creating the perception that impugns the, integri- the integrity of judges, uh, thereby suggesting that some judges may be pliable? Well, unfortunately, that could be the reading. But I think if we look into the procedural aspect, you know, the fact that, um, first of all, it's the chief justice himself who nominates a judge and that ultimately it's the president who then appoints the judge. I think there are already enough checks and balances that have been built into the system to take away any reasonable suspicion that particular judges can be bought. And I think we need to really give props to the South African judiciary, at least at the higher level, you know, our high courts, the Supreme Court and the Constitutional Court, in the sense that we really haven't had any major um, scandals. We haven't had any cases involving judges um, thought to be corrupt or acting under any kind of undue influence. So I think the South African judiciary in general is free from those kinds of perceptions. And just a final one, uh, should public officials be made to pay for such court proceedings, especially when uh, we see the sort of U-turns that were made in court yesterday, should they be made to pay for these proceedings from from their own pockets? Well, I think yesterday's about turn would certainly make a strong argument for the fact that public officials should really be paying out of their own pockets, especially where it's obvious that they are simply using court proceedings to delay the inevitable and where the merits of their case are not good to begin with. I think this certainly makes a a very strong argument for that. But of course, the flip side of that is that individuals who who commit um, wrong or allegedly wrongdoing in their official capacity shouldn't then have to pay for those costs in their personal capacity. So it's just, at, at its most technical, it just means that if you do something wrong because while you did it because of your work, you then shouldn't have to pay for it in your personal um, in, in, in your personal regard. But of course, arguably, this legal notion is open to abuse, and I think the courts should perhaps be more proactive in nipping that abuse in the bud by giving private costs.